Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I want to preach a message to you called On the Way to Rome. On the Way to Rome. The Apostle Paul was in great turmoil and was in great trouble because he was preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He got into trouble in Jerusalem. They were upset with him. They didn't know what to do with him. So they sent him to three different people. He went before Felix, the mayor. He was accused of being a pestilent fellow and an agitator. They didn't know what to do with him, so they went on to see Festus, the governor, and finally ended up at King Agrippa's palace. And so what they did is they sent him to Rome as a prisoner. They sent him to Rome as a prisoner, but in the midst of all of that persecution, in Acts 23 and verse 11, the word of the Lord came to him, and it said, And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. Paul, for you must be, for, for thou hast testified in me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness of me in Rome. You see, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He was all in for the gospel. And Paul's assignment was to go to Rome and to take the gospel to the most important city of that day. We could say that Paul had a date with destiny. It looked like he was down for the nine count. And some of you may feel that way this morning. But I've got a word from heaven. And I want you to know this. It may look like the enemy has got the upper hand in your finances. It may look like he's got the upper hand on the job. It may look like he's got the upper hand in your marriage. But I say to you by the word of the Lord that when it's all said and done, what looks like your greatest defeat is going to turn out to be your greatest victory. Can I hear an amen in the house? Tell the person next to you, I'm on the way to Rome. I'm on the way to Rome. Tell the person on the other side, I'm on the way to Rome. You see, it's true. Today's morning can turn into tomorrow's dancing. Today's water can turn into tomorrow's wine. Today's sorrow can turn into tomorrow's, hallelujah, joy. And today's storm can turn into tomorrow's calm. Hallelujah. I submit to you this morning that the enemy is not coming after you because of all the foolish things that you've done, but for all the good things that are going to happen when you get to Rome. All the wonderful things that are going to happen for the glory of God. He's literally afraid of what's going to happen to you when you reach your destination. Moreover, what's going to happen to him. All glory to God. And so... They put him on a ship, and he's in the ship, and this great, big, huge storm arises. And I want to pick it up in Acts 27, and notice with me in verse 9. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Paul knew this by an inward witness. Nevertheless, the centurion, a centurion is a captain that's over a hundred soldiers, believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. You see, they had a schedule to keep. 
They had prisoners to deliver. They probably had merchandise to deliver. They were not about to listen to some wild-eyed preacher that was on his way to Rome. Little did they know that he wasn't really on the way to Rome to go to jail. He was on the way to Rome to preach the gospel for two years. Woo-hoo! And the Bible says in verse 12, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, it wasn't a nice place. It was kind of a lousy place to winter in, like Minnesota or something. The, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia or Phoenix and there to winter. You know, there's a lot of snowbirds from Minnesota that go down to Phoenix, Arizona. But that's a different Phoenix. Which is in haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, they thought that they had obtained their purpose. In other words, everything was looking good. So they didn't listen to Paul. And so they loosed thence and they sailed close by to Crete. In verse 14, everyone say, but not long after. But not long after there arose against it a temptuous wind called Eurekladon. Now, Eurekladon simply means this, a violent agitation. It was a storm with bad intentions. How many of you know that they were disobedient? And I submit to you today that disobedience of others can sometimes rock your boat. In verse 15, And when the ship was caught, and we could not bear her up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. Which when they had taken up, they used the helps to undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. Now verse 17 is just a little blind to me and to us. So I want you to notice what was really happening in verse 17. Pull it up in the New Living Translation and I want you to read it with me as it comes up. Ready, read. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid. Everyone stop and say they were afraid. So fear showed up. On the way to Rome, fear will show up. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Citrus, off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Fear prompted them to lower the anchor. And fear makes people stop before they get to their destination. After all, was it not fear that made Adam to hide in the garden? Was it not fear that caused Elijah to run from Jezebel? It was fear that caused Peter to sink when the master was waiting and when he had said, come. Do not let down your anchors on your way to Rome. Never lower your anchors until you reach your destination. Never lower your faith. Never lower your dream. Never lower your vision. I believe that for many of you here this morning, this is a day that you're going to raise up your faith. You're going to raise up your praise. You're going to raise up your voice. You're going to raise up your vision. You're going to get on God's dance floor and you're going to shout and dance because you are on your way to Rome and you're going to make it. Glory to God. Your season of being stuck can end today. 
Look at your neighbor and say, raise your anchor. Raise your anchor. Come hell or high water, I'm a going to Rome. Woo, glory to God. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Though Satan tried to hinder me, he will not stop me. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And the Holy Ghost is attending my way. There is a rushing mighty wind, glory to God, that is moving on my behalf and moving on your behalf. And he's taking you right into your wealthy place. Woo. Everyone go, Woo. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So don't let your anchor of fear down. And don't get into all these pity parties with the violins and Job's comforters and budding up and budding down and bedding down with the devil. Stop it. Stop whining. And rise up. You do know that you're either driven by drama or by destiny. And then somebody says, well, pastor, I just don't feel God. Well, bless your heart. I don't give a holy hoot. Whether you feel God, whether I feel God, or whether I see God. I just don't see him in this storm. You don't have to see him in the storm. He's omnipresent. Hallelujah. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and the bed we go. I mean Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were put into the burning fiery furnace. Right? And all of a sudden, the fourth man showed up. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw the fourth man. The one that saw the fourth man was who? It was old Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar. Don't you know that Neb was confused that day? He's looking one, two, three, four. Who is that fourth man? that fourth man that fourth man is the same fourth man that's with you in the ship that's with you in the storm that's with you on your way to Rome so don't you give up and don't you whine and complain lift up your voice and praise God because he's taking you all away hallelujah Whew, thank you Jesus verse 18 and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lightened the ship. They got rid of some stuff. And the third day we cast out with our own hands and the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Listen, friends, when all hope was taken away, you must feel like you're at the end of your rope. But when you're at the end of your rope, remember the God of hope has got you. I said the God of hope has got you. And your expectation, expectation and your hope shall not 
be delayed because he's moving on your behalf. Say it with me. He's a moving. He's a moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. Verse 21. But after long abstinence, for some of us, long abstinence is three hours. But this was days. After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and you should have not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be what? They're probably looking at Paul like, you have gone absolutely mad. How can you tell us to be a good cheer? Can't you see what's going on around us? But Paul said, nonetheless, be a good cheer. Why? For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. I want you to pay particular attention to that phrase. No loss of man's life, but of the ship. Verse 23 and verse 24. Let's read it together. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying... Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Then he says in verse 25, read it. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Come on, read that with a little bit more spizzering in verse 25 again. Come on, class. Wherefore, sirs. Have you been told some things? I said, have you been told some things? I mean, the word of God is telling us things every day. And the only prerequisite for us is to believe God that it shall be even as it was told us. So I want you to get the picture now. Paul is not just a man of God. Paul is a covenant man. And you also are in covenant with a covenant keeping God. The Apostle Paul is a covenant man on assignment. Every one of you sitting in this auditorium this morning have an assignment from heaven. Somebody says, yeah, but I'm just a warehouseman. You're on assignment. There's no such a thing as just a warehouseman, just a doctor, just a this, just a that. Get that out of your vocabulary. You are a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador here on earth for kingdom business. And so the man of God who is on assignment gets a word. And here's the word. Paul, the ship ain't going to make it. I got news, Paul. The ship's not going to make it, but you're going to make it. <laughs> you see, sometimes the very mechanism, the very modus of operandi, the very means by which we thought things were going to happen, didn't happen that way. But God is saying, even though the ship's not going to make it, even though the relationship failed, even though you lost the job, you lost the home, even though people are talking bad about you, you are still going to make it with or without the ship. You're going to make it. Oh, hallelujah. I can't hear you, saints. You got to talk to me this morning. If you're going to make it, shout yes. 
Well, yeah, but all the financial structures were in place. And I had all these people tell me that they were going to do this and they were going to do that. How many of you know man can fail you? But God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? We serve a God who watches over his word to perform it. Yeah, but I had my 40K and a 401K and a 403B and I had this and I had that. All this was in place, but I lost it all. But you haven't lost God. And God is on your side and He's on the move. Hallelujah! <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. You see, I'm looking at a group today that's still breathing. I know some of you have been through hell. You've been through some high water. But you're still standing. Come on now. You're still praising. You're still shouting. You're still dancing. With or without the ship, you're going to make it. Even without that relationship, you're going to make it. Because you are not what that relationship was built up to be. You're precious in the sight of God. And God has got some glorious things for you in Rome. It's faith in a faithful God. Don't lose hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it now, I'm going to live. I shall live. I shall live. I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. How many of you have ever had the devil tell you you're not going to make it? You're going to die young. You're not. You're just out of here. Raise your hand. How many of the devil's ever told you that you know you're going to go broke? You're going to go bankrupt. Raise the other hand. How many of you told the enemy ever told you your kids are going to go? This is going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. Raise one foot. You got your hands up. You got your foot up. But I can see that you're still moving. <laughs> you're still moving. Because you are on your way. I'm on my way. I can have what I say and I'm on my way. I'm on my way. So there's some gnarly, gnarly folks on that ship. I mean, there's some soldiers. Man, the guy that helped, helped clean my gutters last week. He looked worse than I did in the 70s. So I can just imagine some of these folks are really gnarly looking. So Paul shows up, big smile on his face. Hey, good cheer, guys. It's all good. I've heard from God. It's going to be all right. And by the way, the ship ain't going to make it, but you will. And not only, see, God told Paul that everyone in your ship, everyone in your ship, because they're in your ship, not because they deserve it, they will live also. What does that mean? That means you're chilling, going to live. Hallelujah. That means God's going to bless your business because you're there. 
So if everyone in your ship's going to make it, make sure you're very careful about who you let in your ship. <laughs> Say it with me, no one will be lost. Verse 26. How be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, and as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they were near to some country, and sounded and found that it was twenty fathoms. And when they went just a little further, they sounded again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. To sound means they put something in the water to determine the depth of it so that they could discover how far from land that they were. And that's what they were doing. And in verse 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea. The lifeboats were going down under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. But here's what Paul said, the man of God. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. They were so afraid they didn't believe. They went to plan B. They left plan A. And Paul is telling them, and I believe the word of God is telling us today, with God, there's always a plan A. And if you will follow plan A, you'll make it to Rome. No plan B. Let's follow God all the way. How many of you know that the power to let go is equally as valuable as the power to hold on? One of the key phrases that I learned in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and NA, Narcotics Anonymous, was let go and let God. Because there was so much junk in the past. What they were saying is let go of the past and let God take you into your future. And that's a word for many of us today. Let go and let God. Why? Because something bigger and something better is coming our way. Hallelujah. Say of me something bigger. Something better is coming my way. Verse 32, then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat. And let her fall off. They got back in the boat. And while the day was coming, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. I mean, after fourteen days, these boys are hungry. Ah. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is to your health. For there shall not be an hair fall from your head on any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all of what? I tell you, food makes people happy. That's why McDonald's has the Happy Meal. Amen. Well, we're getting more than a Happy Meal today. We're getting a Holy Ghost Happy Meal. And I remember Dad Hagen when he's over there at 20450 Royal Avenue one day by the Spirit. He said, happy, 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 happy of this church. He says, it'll be said by some that this is the happiest bunch I've ever seen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Happy is the people. Happy is the people. Now, the, the truth of the matter is you can stay happy even in the ship. The joy of the Lord is your strength. James said it like this, count it all joy. When you fall into different temptations, trials and tests, were they not in a test? And so they took food and they got happy. And they took some meat in verse 37. And they were all, and they were all what? In the ship 
200, threescore, and sixteen souls. Wow. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust into the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, everyone said they took up the anchors. So what they did is they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoised up the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. But here's what happened. Falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the foreport stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So here goes the ship. Remember, the ship's not going to make it. But you're going to. And so what they did is they took those broken pieces from the wreck. And they took what the devil meant for evil. And they took those broken pieces of wood and they floated on them all the way to shore. Oh, hallelujah. You're not hearing me today. Just stick with me just for a few moments. Verse 42, And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape, but the centurion willing to save Paul. How many of you know Paul had favor with the centurion? On your way to Rome, God will give you incredible favor with unbelievers. Never look as an unbeliever as your enemy. Look as an unbeliever as building materials in the kingdom of God. Look as an unbeliever as a prospective believer or as an unbeliever to use their influence for your good. So he says, well, I've got God. Well, then why would Proverbs tell us this, that we can have favor with God? Favor with God? Favor with God? That's exactly what Paul had. On your way to Rome, you're going to need favor. But here's the good news. We have favor. Because the Bible said he compasses about as with a shield with divine favor. Say it with me. The favor of God, favor of God is going before me. Going and it's opening doors for me that no man can shut. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. Read verse 44 with me. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm here to tell you this morning that God does wonderful things with broken pieces. Because the purpose of God is greater than the brokenness of man. And you say, Pastor, it seems as if my whole life is falling apart. Aren't you glad that you serve a God who upholds all things by the word of his power? I love that, so that song and that verse that says, he gave us beauty for what? He gave us beauty for ashes. What does that mean, Raul? That means that God can take the brokenness of our lives, the ashes of our lives, and build it up and make a beautiful thing out of it. 
I'm looking at a congregation of beautiful people. Amen. And this isn't a hippie song from the 70s. In Christ Jesus, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique and you are his masterpiece. Listen, just because you've been through some difficult times, don't think for one moment that it's over with. It is not over. It's never over till it's over. And right now, we have a window of time as the body of Christ to stand up and to arise and to let our light shine. Somebody says, well, I've wasted a lot of time. i got a word for you. God can redeem the time. He can take the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, and all the other worms have taken, and He can restore it in a snap of a finger. Everyone shout, restore. Restore. Say it again. Restore. 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 Woo, hallelujah. What are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying you need to learn to praise in the midst of your problems. You need to sing through the sorrow, keep moving through the mess, because you're going to make it. Now, the second part of this verse is something that we're going to act upon and we're going to act out. And we've got some time to do it. Have we got any praisers in the house? Have we got any Holy Ghost dancers in the house? Have we gotten his shouters in the house? Part two is this. On your way to Rome, you may meet a viper or two. And a viper, a snake, releases venom into our lives. And that venom that comes from a snake is designed not only to hinder our progress but to stop us dead in our tracks. Is that right? And one of the wiliest, most strategic and subtle things, venoms the enemy uses against the body of Christ is strife. And hopelessness. And self-pity. So here's the picture. In Acts chapter 28, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, and we're going to look at the New Living Translation. Get the picture now. These guys are drenched. These guys are beat up. I mean, they're just... Can you imagine what they look like? They didn't wear ties, but if they did, I mean, the ties would be down like this. They didn't wear suit pants, but if they did, I mean, they'd probably look like this. And they're just drenched. Nice legs, huh? And, and, And they're just barely... Barely making it to Malta. But they're still on the way to Rome. And on the island of Malta, there's help for them. See, God brings people into your lives to help you. That's why we must never be separatists or lone rangers when it comes to the body of Christ. We must be in community with one another, worshiping together, praying together, studying together, eating together. Come on, somebody. Because everyone needs help. I would have never made it as far as I have made it at age 66 if God had not surrounded me with help of all kinds. 
all kinds, yes. The greatest, the biggest help has been my wife. But when I think about all the people around me that have lifted up my arms and lifted up my hands, my pastoral stuff, Pastor Tom, Kimberly, and Nancy, and people through the decades that have helped and helped, and you that have helped with your prayer and your treasures and your talents, everyone needs help. And it's a proud man that says, oh, I'm good. I don't need any help. Look at your neighbor and say, you really need help. (laughs) Someone said, I know that's right. I know that's right. Can I get an amen from Amen Alley over there? Thank God for heaven's help. Now, the truth of the matter is, is this. When we look at this from a positional point of view, to be theologically correct, we've already made it. We're already more than conquerors. We're already heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. There's just this little namby-pamby enemy that walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And one of the ways he tries to devour us is to talk us out of what we know to be true. That's why we need to get so fully persuaded with the truth that when his lies come, we just cast it down, beat it down. Now notice this in Acts chapter 28. Glory to God. Verse 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to do what? Amen. A nice fire on a cold day is mighty nice. But as Paul gathered an armful of sticks in verse 3 and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, everyone say a viper, driven out by the heat, bit him on what? He bit him on the hand. Suddenly, he's snake bitten. Now, it doesn't say this, but I can just about imagine what Paul's attitude was. Are you biting me? I've been stoned three times. I've been left shipwrecked. I've been in perils in the sea and perils among false brethren. I've been stoned and I've been left for dead. But the God... That I serve, raise me up. And Mr. Snake could be looking at my eye. Mr. Snake, I just went through a violent agitation by Eurekladon. And I'm still standing. Come on, somebody. So in essence, the Apostle Paul could have been saying, Do you know who you're coming after? Do you have any idea? I'm going to go Medea on you today. Do you have any idea what I just survived? I just went through this. I just went through that. You used to scare me, but never again will you scare me. Oh, Rabasanda. Listen, folks, when you've been through a storm, And you survive a shipwreck. The things you used to run from, you don't run from anymore. 
Now, why is that? Why is this is important? Why is that? Because now you have the anointing and the power from heaven and power from on high to shake things off. Shake it off. You shake it off. Shake the past off. Shake what they said about you off. Shake the recession off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. And I'm not talking about that cute song, Shake It Off. I'm talking about Holy Ghost power from on high. What enablement for you to shake the things off that are trying to keep you from Rome. Say with me, I have the anointing to shake it off. See, you've been given authority over snake bites and vipers. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means what? Now notice in verse 4. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Must be a sinner. Sounds like church talk. Hadn't been in church for three months. Serves him right to get in that car accident. Bless God. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul... And Paul is no better in his position in Christ than you are. Paul has no more authority than you do. Just because he was an apostle doesn't mean he was some super duper saint. In Christ Jesus, we all have the same power to shake it off. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Say it with me, nothing shall by any means stop me or hurt me. Verse 6. So the people waited for him to swell up. Or at least to drop dead. Maybe they were taking bets. All of a sudden their help went out the door. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. Now, I don't know. This may be a stretch, but there may be people that expected you to swell up. Maybe people that expected you to die. But the good news is this. You're still here. You are still here. And he will lift up your head above your adversaries. Never again will I run from my enemy. David ran toward Goliath. He didn't run from him. Never again will we be intimidated or filled with fear at the accusations and the threats of the evil one. Because for every diabolical threat he has, God has a faithful promise that annihilates every threat. And so we can say that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, shake it off. Today, 
This morning, we corporately, in a few minutes, we're going to shake it off. And we're going to throw it right back where it belongs. Before we do that, let me tell you a story. On a, day, a certain day, a farmer's donkey fell into the abandoned well. The animal cried pitilessly for hours as the farmer tried to figure out what to do. Finally, he decided the animal was old and well needed to be, and it needed to be covered up anyway. So it just wasn't worth it to him to retrieve the donkey. He invited all of his neighbors to come over and help him. They each grabbed a shovel and began to shovel dirt into the well, realizing what was happening. The donkey at first cried and wailed horribly like some of us have done. Then a few shovels later, he quieted down completely. The farmer peered down into the well and was astounded by what he saw. With every shovelful of dirt that hit his back, the donkey did something amazing. He shook it off. And he took a step up. <laughs> he took it off. He, he shook it off and stepped up to a new layer of dirt. Come on, somebody. As the farmer's neighbors continued to shovel dirt on top of the animal, he would shake it off and take a step up. Pretty soon, the donkey stepped up over the edge of the well, trotted off to the shock and astonishment of all his neighbors. Hallelujah. Just... Hey! Hey! Shake it off! See, in football, when you get hit hard and you get the wind knocked out of you or in basketball, when you are in the paint and you get an elbow to your ribs and they're cracked, the thing to do is to suck it up and shake it off. And life throws shovels of dirt at all of us. And he said, I call to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You can choose to shake it off. You can choose to take a step up. Say it with me. I'm going from glory to glory. And in closing this, I want us to look very quickly at verses 7 through 9. Say it with me, the very thing that the enemy meant evil for, God can turn around and use it for his good. Now, I want to remind you, where did that viper attach itself to? Paul's hand. He shook it off, and then look what he did with his hand. In verse 7, in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass, everyone say it came to pass, that the father Publius lay sick of a fever and of bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed. And what did he do? He laid his hands on him and he healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. The same hand is what he used to shake the viper off. Hallelujah. Everyone say it's turnaround time. I believe this, that the same area that the enemy has been attacking you in, attacking your marriage, attacking your finances, maybe even attacking your mind, that God 
He's about to do some great things in all of those areas. I got a question for you today as PT comes to the piano. Are you ready to shake it off? Does anybody here in this Holy Ghost church have something that they'd like to shake off? Raise your hand. Shake it off. It might be a sickness, a disease. It might be something of a setback. I like what Keith Keith Hershey says. He said, don't let a setback cause you to sit back. Get ready for a Holy Ghost comeback. Everyone stand right now if you would. Let's first of all just raise our hand and thank him for what we've heard today. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whatever has been threatening you, it's time to shake it off. I said it's time to shake it off. I said it's time to shake it off. And the Spirit of the Lord prompted me to say this to you. And we're going to sing in just a moment. And if you want to get out and dance, if you want to run, or if you just want to kneel, whatever the case may be. But here's what the Lord is saying. The power to shake things off is in the name of Jesus.